Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. What an amazing day that's going to be, huh? It's hard to sometimes even imagine what that's going to be like. That day when we ourselves, those of us who've received Christ as Savior, we find ourselves in heaven, actually there, and we discover that what here seemed kind of unreal out there is actually more real than here. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be there. And we'll see Him for who He is, the way He is, the way He really is beyond what we've been able to comprehend up to this point in our lives. Today's sermon, I didn't know we were singing this song, but today's sermon has a tie-in to those days, to that time. Uh, We've been talking about money works. Money works, remember, when you view it and use it the way God intends. And so far as we've looked at this, we've been focusing on our money and how how it affects us and our money and how we use it and our money and what it tells us about our relationship with God and and our money uh, in practical issues of how do we do those things. Go ahead and put up that statement if you would, John. Money works. And... um, But it's been about us, and and even last week we talked about that money's about more than money, and what is it about? What's it telling us about us and our lives and what we're doing? And and it's really important that we understand these things, and and we looked at this diagram uh, that talked about being faithful stewards, and we talked about how we start with that, you know, a tithe and an offering to God, and we pay our living expenses, we save something from the future, we we make kingdom investments, and we spend to enjoy, And as we do that, we're asking God, what's this money for? And then using it the way he directs us to use it, from his word and then as he directs us in our lives to use it. And that when we do that, we can enjoy how much of it? All of it, that's right. That's God's intent. And it's really important that that we grapple with these issues. You know, really say, what does that mean in my life? What does that look like? What am I supposed to be doing with that? So, so that we can grasp the truths of stewardship, of God's word, and, and really so then we can graduate to what God wants to do in our lives in even bigger ways. And that's where we, we want to look at today. We're going to kind of turn a corner from talking about our money, about us. I mean, obviously, we're always in the mix, <laughs> But we're going to move from the money being about here to the money being going somewhere and doing something that really, really matters. Something way beyond us, but that will affect us tremendously. The passage of Scripture we're going to be in today is 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Why don't you go ahead and turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you don't have your own Bible with you today, we encourage you to take one out from under the chair there and follow along. We're going to be on pages 1330 and 1331. And in this passage of Scripture, um, in the area of stewardship, we're going to, like I said, we're we're taking another step uh, in an exciting direction. And we're going to see that God is calling us out of the ordinary into the extraordinary. 
that he's calling us out of our natural experience into a supernatural experience in the area of our money. And that he's calling us to away from the temporal toward the eternal in these things. Now the church at Corinth was uh, this whole, I don't know how to explain it, just a whole mix of things. If you remember in the first letter uh, that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he had to deal with lots of problems, but he said there were lots of really good things about the church. I bet Corinth was an exciting place to be in good ways and not so good ways. Uh, good ways because of what God was doing and the excitement was there and then some of the hard ways because there were problems and issues that had to be worked through. But they were responding to God. They were growing. God was working in their lives. And so Paul goes to write them another letter. And that's the, this one we're going to look at today, part of it. But in between this time, and probably at some point when Paul had been through there, what had happened was, as the gospel had spread, the, the gospel starts in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, right? I mean, Jesus has been there, he's died, he's, he's, he's risen, the Holy Spirit now has come to indwell the church. The gospel is being preached. People are getting saved, and thousands are getting saved, and there are people there from all over the world that don't have any ways to support themselves and, and trying to work all that out, and that's where we, Acts chapter 6, uh, the, where we see the deacons coming into play and all of these issues. And, and then God works, the gospel goes out. Paul and, and uh, Barnabas and Antioch, they get sent out from Antioch in, in Syria to, to go spread the gospel, and they're doing that. But somehow, some way, things got so bad back in Jerusalem and in Judea that the Christians there were really, really hard, hard up. I mean, they were in tremendous need. And so the call goes out and the Apostle Paul begins talking to the churches where he had gone. He talks to the churches in Macedonia, uh, in, uh, like Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea. And then he talked to the church in Corinth and he said, look, we gotta, we gotta do something about it. If, if the gospel's gonna continue to go forth, we gotta make sure that back here where we came from that it's strong and, and, and it's thriving. And so we need to collect an offering to send back there. And it wasn't like today, they couldn't go online and put their credit card in someplace and do it. They had to begin the process of collecting and somebody eventually had to come by and pick up that offering and then, then transport that. And so what he had done, probably about a year earlier than what we're gonna read about today, he had talked to the Corinthians about this, the church there, and they were all excited. We're gonna be a part, we're gonna give generously to this because man, they sent the gospel to us, we're gonna send back to them, you know, and, and I don't know, is that me? Sorry, I don't know if it's me or not. All right. I usually try to ignore the distractions. But. Um, and, and so they were excited about it. And then Paul used them as an example to other places, specifically those churches in Macedonia. He said, man, the Corinthians are all excited about it. They're really going to give. And he went to them and talked to the, the Macedonians. And now he's, he's sending this letter to the Corinthians. And one of the things he's saying, hey, listen, I've been bragging about you. I've been telling people about you. I've been using your example to motivate other people to get involved with this thing. He says, and it won't be long. We're going to be coming by to pick this offering up. You better make sure that you've done it, all right? And so this is sort of a practical thing to, that led to this. But as Paul talks about it, he says some really, really important things that we need to understand when it comes to stewardship of our money, what God has given it to us 
4. And so here in 2 Corinthians, as we get to chapter 8, he starts talking about this offering. And, and he, you know, challenging them, he, he uses, he starts off with an example, actually. He says, hey, let me tell you how the churches in Macedonia have done. Now, let's just let's back up here just a minute and think about it. God has given us a mission, hasn't he? The Great Commission. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them, teach them, and, and, you're, you're, and you're planting churches so that they can get involved in the Great Commission and keep this thing going. And the need of the hour at Paul's time in history was to meet this need, this great need in Jerusalem and Judea. That was the, that was the crucial point of the mission at this time in history. Well, what would it be in our time in history? You know, I mean, you come with a lot of things, I'm sure. But I would, I would say this, I really believe that for us, when we look at the mission and say, what is it, this crucial thing that absolutely has to happen and keep happening, and that is that we keep sending missionaries around the world to preach the gospel. That is absolutely essential if we are going to be carrying out the Great Commission. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, in verse number 8, it says that Jesus taught the disciples, says, you're going to be witnesses for me. He says, in Jerusalem, and he actually says both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And that word that's translated both there means all of these at the same time. Are we to be carrying out the Great Commission in our area? In your neighborhoods, in my neighborhoods, and around it? Yeah, we are. But not just here, we're also to be doing it around the world. Well, how are we gonna do that? I'm not there, you're not there, how do we do it? Well, we certainly pray, but we also give. And we support missionaries who go around the world. And I really believe that in our day, this would be the need of the hour, that we give to get the gospel out around the world. Now, sometimes that includes special offerings, very much like what they're doing. You remember uh, this last Christmas and two Christmases ago, we took up offerings for the Syrian refugees. You remember? Right? And, and the idea of that was so that we, we gave them money for the Lyles, they took it over there because they're in Lebanon and they're working with the refugees and they helped them to, you know, uh, that the basic things of life and in the process they get to share the gospel with them. The people come to Christ, churches end up getting started in those people, and then they begin starting other churches, and on and on it goes. And so we've, we've done very much like what we're going to read about that they did. They took up that special offering. But I want you to think about something. The reason we could do that is because the Lyles were already there. Are you with me on that? They were there. They saw the need. They knew the need. They had relationships already. So when we send them this offering, they're able to take that offering and use it. They know where to use it. They know how to use it to, to further the, uh, the Great Commission. Well, how is it that they can be there? Well, it's churches like us that give them money every month so they can be there. And so that's what I'm saying. It's so crucial that we are actively involved, purposely, consciously involved in giving to missions, to missionaries, 
to support them so they can be out there all around the world preaching the gospel, uh, winning people to Christ, starting churches, and then there also when those times come, when that strategic opportunity comes to pass. It's not just the Lyles. We support other missionaries. In Africa, we support uh, the Clarks in Botswana. We support the Enochs in Kenya. Uh, we support um, the Downs in the Ivory Coast. In Latin America, we support the Harmons in Puerto Rico, uh, the Gills and the Flippins in Brazil, the Vernois in Paraguay, and the Maggards in Guatemala and some other Caribbean countries. And in Great Britain and Europe, we support uh, the Zemeskis in Ireland and Renee Thompson in Germany and uh, the Zwingles and our own Mandy Swanson in Russia. In Asia, we support the Barleys in Japan, the Ivories in Korea, the Henleys in China, the Hunts in British Columbia who are actively ministering to a huge Chinese population in that city and the Thomases in Bangladesh. And all of these missions, we are helping to support. Whether we're sending them $100, some of them more, some of them $400, whatever we're sending them, but we're trying to keep them there, preaching the gospel. And so that's happening all the time, and then from time to time, strategic opportunities come along. And so, as we look at this passage of scripture today, Paul is talking about this offering that was going back to Jerusalem and Judea. And what I want to encourage you to think of with me today is missions, world missions, missions offering. It's a kingdom investment. Kingdom investment on steroids. World missions giving. So let's look here in chapter 8. Starting here in verse number 1. Paul says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So he's given to give them an example. He's telling the Corinthians, let me tell you what they've done in Macedonia. He says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. The liberality, we're not talking politics, right? Liberality means generosity. They were, that's what the, the root meaning of liberal means, right? Free, open, giving. They were generous. Two things. In a great trial of affliction. These are the churches. Remember just a while back we talked about the church in Thessalonica. We went through that letter. Remember how they'd been persecuted? Sorely persecuted. Really bad. And it had affected them. But even in the persecution they had what? What's it say? Great joy. Well, get this. They were also very, very poor. And yet, their poverty, just as their affliction didn't keep them from having joy, their poverty didn't keep them from being generous. That's a thought, isn't it? Okay, and he says this, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. They, they gave all that they could, and they probably gave more than they should, but they did it all willingly. And he says, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. I almost get the sense of Paul saying, wait, wait a minute, I know your circumstances. Are you sure you should be given that much? And they said, yes, please, let us be a part. And they gave that way. Verse five, and he says, and not only as we had hoped, 
but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. They were surrendered to God and then they did what God led them to do. Verse six, so we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you, maybe he's talking to the Corinthians, but as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. You learn to give like they do. Verse eight, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. And if he's giving you this example to challenge him about love, and then verse nine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Talking about the Son of God coming down from heaven into our world, right? He who was rich that way became poor. Gave up, why? Because those of us who were so poor spiritually and had no way to to have a relationship with God so that we could have the riches of a relationship with God. That's the example he's giving us. Verse 10, and in this I, I give advice, it is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. That is, there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. And what he's trying to say here is that if you're willing, how much you have isn't the issue. If there's first a willing mind, are you willing? All right, so let's, let's talk about this for just a little bit in the context of the idea of missions giving. Uh, before we do that, let's look at the New Living Translation of a couple verses here. Uh, Go ahead and put that up there. It says, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. They gave more than looking at it humanly than they could afford. And they did it of their own free will. Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. I want you to see this. When we start thinking about making kingdom investments, and by the way, what we're gonna talk about today with respect to missions giving would apply, those principles would apply to any kingdom investment that you're making, okay? But we wanna focus in on missions giving. When it comes times to make the kingdom investment in the area of missions, it's not about your ability to give, it's about your willingness to give. That's the starting point. The starting point for making this kind of kingdom investment in missions is not, well, what do I have to give? It's I'm willing to give. I want to give. It is my desire to give. And then God will go to work from there. Now, when it comes to saying, okay, I want to give. God, I am willing to give. I want to, to, to give to missions. I want to be a part of the gospel going around the world. I'm, I'm already given my tithe. And you said if we give our tithes that, there will, that, that the church will be provided for. Now we want to get out there and make kingdom investments in the world through our missions giving. God, how am I going to do that? I'm willing. I want to. Well, God is going to do it in one of two ways. He, he's either going to provide you with more money or he's gonna show you what you can give up. 
Now, we'll see a little more about the idea of providing more money when we get into chapter nine. But he can do that in a lot of ways. What if all of a sudden you get an unexpected raise at work, right? Oh, maybe God has provided more money. I'm willing to give God, I'm ready and willing, and he gives me a raise I wasn't expecting. Uh, or uh, the, the tax refund, it comes back more than we expected. That's kind of a miracle, right? Usually the other way. Uh, it comes back that way. Or cash gifts, right? For your birthday or Christmas. Somebody gives you cash, you say, wow, God has provided me a way to give. See, he's provided more money. But when we're generally willing, there's a high likelihood that God is also going to show us some things that we can give up. Isn't that the picture of what he said about Jesus, right? What did Christ do? Gave up the riches of heaven so that we might be saved. Well, it may be that we need to give up some things so that other people can be saved. And so we start thinking about this. Well, how could we do that? God, I, I want to give. I'm willing to give. I'm ready to give. Show me how I can do this. And so you start praying about it. And you say, you know what? Maybe. I tell you what, we're going to start trying to cut back on some of the groceries. We're just not going to buy everything that we usually buy. We're going to try to do and, and whatever's left, we're going to give to missions at the end of the month. Uh, that Dunkin' Donuts coffee every day. Or if you're a little... Starbucks. If you could give up that once a day in the morning, right? If, you don't, if, you're, if you're one of those people that do that. Uh, you know, you're talking, that's $10 a week. $10 a week you could free up to go to mission. You could make your own coffee at home and bring it in and get one of our travel mugs. <laughs> All right? You could save money there. Um, see, the problem is, is that God may have already provided us what we need to make this kingdom investment in missions, but we might be uh, driving in it, living in it, eating it, playing with it. And maybe we need to make some different choices and step back from some things. Figure out how can I save a little bit of money here? Because I want to give. I'm willing to give up to do this. And so when we start, it's not about our ability, but about our willingness. And when we start there and say, I am willing, God, then he can either provide more money for you to give or he can show you ways that you can come up with more money to give. Then Paul moved on to the motivation. He talks about your love and the sincerity of your love and how Christ demonstrated his love, giving. And so here's our motivation. I mean, why do we love God? What's the Bible say? because he first loved us. And so our response to the love of God is to love God back. We ought to love God, and then we ought to learn to love like God. And when we start loving like God, we love who God loves. And who does God love? For God so loved the world. One of our commands is love your neighbor as yourself. How loving is it to say, oh well, I'm saved. Oh well, they aren't. How loving is that? If you were the one who was living in some other part of the world and the gospel had never come to you, what would you hope that someone would do for you? You would hope that somebody someplace would sacrifice 
and be willing to give to get someone to come to you to tell you the gospel. That's the way we need to love. And get involved in that and do that. I mean, we just can't say, mm, oh, well, no big deal. It is a, a big deal. People are lost on their way to hell because they've never heard of Christ and haven't had an opportunity to receive Christ as Savior. So motivated to love. Motivated by love. Let's go to chapter 9. Start in verse number 6. He says, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We get that, the law of sowing and reaping, right? You sow a few seeds, you get a few plants and some fruit. You sow a lot of seeds, a whole garden worth, you get a lot more plants, a lot more fruit. Okay? And he's talking about in our giving. What do you want the results of your giving to be? How much of an impact do you want to have? Um, in fact, let's, let's just do this. I'm going to jump to that point, John. What I want to do is encourage you to this. When it comes to the kingdom investments, especially, specifically this area of missions giving, decide how much of an eternal impact you want to have. Do you want to have a big eternal impact? You have to do what? So bountifully. Do you want a little eternal impact? So a little. So decide how much, how much eternal impact do you want to have? Now, we've already started off, right, saying, God, I'm willing, I'm willing. You know, if you'll enable me, either show, you know, provide me with more or show me how I am willing because, God, I want to have a big eternal impact, and so I'm going to, you enable me, I'm going to sow bountifully, I'm going to give generously. Then he says this, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. We've looked at that principle several times uh, in this uh, sermon series. But when it says here, as he purposes in his heart, it does not mean Give whatever you feel like. That's not what it means. The word that's translated purpose here means to deliberately resolve to do something. You, you make a determination. You and your heart before God, you're saying, God, I am willing. God, I want to make a big impact. God, what should I be giving? What are you going to enable me to give? And you, between you and God and your heart, you arrive at this amount. You say, okay. This is what I'm going to give. Whether it's $1, $5, $100, $1,000, this is what I'm going to do. You've made a determination that you're going to give it. Now, let me tell you a story. Some of you heard it before. When my wife and I were in Bible college, and I was studying for the ministry, I... I was making about $120 a week at this point. Back about 1980. Uh, it wasn't very much money. But God put it in our hearts. Okay, we, we, want, we wanted to make an eternal impact. 
That's why we're there going to school, but we need to live this out in our own lives. We want to make an eternal impact. And so we had responded to the whole idea of missions giving, and we, God had put in our heart, give $5 a week. Now, $5 a week doesn't sound like much, does it? But when you're making $120 a week, $5 seems like quite a bit. Okay, and so I think we started doing that. And th- but then one day, it was like a spring day, and you know how windy it gets in the springtime sometimes? We, we got out of the car, and my wife did something, the keys opened a purse, and what we had, we had two $5 bills left. One we were gonna use to buy some groceries, and the other $5 was going for missions. And I kid you not, open up the purse and did something, and the wind kicked up, everything's blowing, and, and all of a sudden we both see this $5 bill go, and I'm like, yeah. You know, it seemed like slow motion, and all of a sudden, it's gone. And I guess I could have said, well, God, there went your five. (laughs) But God had put it in our hearts to give $5 to missions. And so when it came time to decide, are we going to do this or not, we said, God put this in our heart to do it. We want to have a big eternal impact, we, and we're going to give it. And we went ahead and gave that and did it without the groceries, and you notice that I've just withered away. <laughs> I've thought a few times, what if, we had, what if we had bought the groceries instead? I wonder what's going to happen someday I get to heaven and somebody comes up to us and says, listen, I heard the story about that $5. But that $5 became the tipping point for a missionary to do something. Came to my town. I heard the gospel. I got saved. Shared it with my family. They got saved. My son became a preacher. Many have been saved. See what I'm saying? A kingdom investment. Giving to missions. And that leads us to the third, final point. Trust God and give what he put in your heart. If you put that number in your heart and you're convinced of it, give it. Give it when the rest of the grocery money blows away. Give it, because he's put it, trust God. And here's what's gonna happen. Let's just take a quick look at these verses. Verse 8, and God is able, okay, so you've been willing, you want to give, you're motivated by love, and you want to make a big eternal difference, and, and, and you're determined, God has put something in your heart, and you're determined to give it, and now you give it. When you do that, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, to stop there, God is telling us that when we begin giving like this, we're we're past giving the tithe, which is a big thing, I know. We're past that and trying to be good. We're now venturing into this kingdom investment that's no longer about us and our money here. It's about out there and what God is doing. And when we start giving that way, he says, how much will you have? Always having all sufficiency in all things. Let me paraphrase. You'll have enough. You think, if I give this way, I won't have enough. Well, what does God say? God is able to do what? Make sure you have enough. And not just enough to get by, enough that you 
The last phrase may have an abundance for every good work. That you'll be able to continue to make kingdom investments. You'll be able to continue giving to missions. And we'll stop there. There's, there's more verses there we could look at. But I want to just so encourage you to, to start thinking this direction. You say, man, you know, Walt, I don't get it, you know. Here you are, you've told us in this series that we need to, to, you know, to give that first 10%, and I'm kind of blown away with that. I understand what the word says. Okay, I want to do that. And now you're saying, give more. Invest in the kingdom. Give the missionary so the gospel gets out there. So that day, you know, we sang that song about heaven. That day, how many people will be there because, you know, we have given, we've had a part in people coming to Christ, and we'll meet those people. But, but you're saying to give that. Now you're saying to give more. How in the world do you expect me to do that? How am I going to be able to do that? It's not about your ability to give. It's about what? Your willingness to give. The desire of your heart. God, I'm willing. I'm willing. God, I want to have a big impact. I'll do it. I'll do what you show me to do. Whatever you put in my heart, I will do it. Well, how, why am I going to do that? Why am I going to upset my life that way? Because you love God, and you love your neighbor, and you love the world the way God does. All right, well, so you're telling me I have to do this then. This is something I have to do, right? No, 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 just stop right there. You don't have to do it. You're off the hook. You don't have to do it. You get to do it. You get to do it. Oh, man. I, I'm just telling you, when you start giving like this, God's going to change your life. I know I said that when you start tithing. That's true. God will change your life because you start to see, wait a minute, God's the source of all I have. And I start making better decisions with all I have. And I start reaping the benefits of living God's way. All that happens. But now we move from there and we move into this supernatural area of giving. And things, people's lives are changed forever, including yours. And you'll see God work in amazing ways in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and this challenge to us from it. I pray, Father, you would give us this eternal perspective, your perspective on life, that, that we would make kingdom investments. And, and when we look at our finances, maybe we start with, Lord, we can't see any way we can do it, but I pray that, well, there might be a bunch of us here today right now who can't see any way to do it. I pray that we would all be willing to do it. Really, Lord, boy, Stir us up about that. Point out to us where we're holding back that we would genuinely be willing to give and make this investment if, if you either provide extra for us or if you show us ways that we can give something up to have to give. Lord, so fill our hearts with this. And we look forward to experiencing your promise that not only will people get saved out there when the gospel is preached, not only will we experience that great joy of that reunion in heaven and meeting them for the first time, but we will experience the truth of your word and the reality of your working in our lives as we by faith trust you.
and give. And I pray this in Jesus' name.